retired detectives that were in the thick of New York crime, fast and hectic. They got some stories and some jokes. Even an interview with the most popular folks. Off the cuff, off the cuff. One episode just saying enough. Get a little laughter and an interview too. The best thing you can do Hello everyone and welcome to Police Off the Cuff Real Crime Stories. I'm your host, Bill Cannon. A 27-year retired veteran of the NYPD, and with me tonight, straight out of Brooklyn, my co-host, retired NYPD detective Phil Grimaldi. How you doing, Phil? I'm doing pretty good, Billy, and I'm just glad to have uh, a wonderful guest on tonight, my uh, my paisan from Brooklyn. So uh, this is going to be a good one, Bill. You know something? When I go to Brooklyn, it's impossible not to have at least 50% to 100% Italians on my show, but it's all right. <laughs> I get along with you guys, you know? Yeah, so folks, if you don't know, Michael Vecchioni is retired, uh, legendary Brooklyn DA, 30-year veteran. He ran the Homicide Squad. He ran the whole Homicide Bureau. was senior trial counsel. He's worn many hats. He worked for the NYPD. He's done, he's done everything. So talk about a guy who knows the in and outer workings of government. Uh, Michael Vecchioni is one of those guys. Mike, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, guys, for having me back. I, uh, I really enjoyed the last time, and I'm sure we'll enjoy tonight as well. Tonight, you're going to have even more fun, you know, because we're going to talk about the Cuomo brothers, you know. <laughs> uh, it sounds like the uh, the Rosado brothers from The Godfather, you know. Exactly. But, it's, but exactly. it's the Cuomo brothers. You know, uh, this whole story, um, it, it's like you can't help but look at not only like corruption in politics, but corruption in media. The, the media is so complicit in these cases. And the media, when they have the balls to say, our job is to shine a light on things. Oh, yeah. When it suits your political uh, background, when, it's, uh, when it uh, fits your political ideology, then you'll shine a light on it. Other than that, you'll turn a blind eye for that. And during the tenure of Andrew Cuomo's 10 years as governor, he was known to everyone inside and outside of government as a bully a big time bully. And he got away with things, including major corruption, the Buffalo Billions, the Moreland Commission that was appointed to weed out corruption in New York State, got too close to him. What did he do? He got rid of it. I mean, come on, are you kidding me? It's like, and how about we didn't even touch upon the nursing home scandal. And uh, we'll get into that a little further, but the nursing home scandal with 15,000 senior citizens could have been saved if they were put on a hospital ship delivered to the uh, east side of Manhattan by uh, President Donald Trump. But he didn't want to make Trump look good, so he put them in a nursing home and 15,000 people died. And then he tried to cover it up. How about writing a book on on the state's dime, getting paid $5 million and then acting like that's okay, using state employees? No one lays a glove on them. Now, supposedly, the FBI is looking into this. Yeah. The, the weaponized FBI is looking into this. So let's see how he comes out of all this stuff, including all these uh, sexual harassment. There's bound to be lawsuits about this stuff. And um, as I said, the press, the media is supposed to shine a light on corruption. 
not only did they not shine a light, but they ignored it for 10 years. Mike Vecchioni, thoughts? Well, I, you know, let's go. Let's start with the book for a second, because that one kind of hits home for me. Um, I got to tell you a little story. When I when my boss, Joe Hines, was running for reelection, his last uh, election um, at during the course of his campaigning, one late afternoon, early evening, he called me at the office and um, and I, he called me on my. Uh, no, I guess he called me at the office. So I picked up the phone and he asked me a question. Um, you know, he get, wanted my opinion. Should I do, say this? about this topic or should I say that about this topic? So I gave him my opinion, hung up. Now the phone call guys had to last maybe five or six minutes. He goes, he gets, um, he, he loses the election. I retire. He's, uh, he's out. About, um, I guess about a year later, I get notice that the conflict of interest board is investigating me because they say that I violated the ethics rules of the city because I used a quote unquote government apparatus to uh, to have this conversation with uh, with Heinz. Now, I had to pay a thousand dollar fine. Plus, I had to pay a lawyer who handled the case for me. So when all is said and done, it cost me about twenty five hundred bucks for this seven or six or seven minute phone call. Cuomo used his entire staff for the most part. And you can't tell me that they didn't use government equipment, copy machines, uh, computers and telephones to write this book. That If anybody says that they didn't, they're a liar. I'm telling you. And what happens? Nothing so far. Nothing. He doesn't get the J-Cope, which is another one of these phony ethics groups, doesn't do anything to take his money away from him because they should forfeit that five that, that five million dollars that he got for the book. And I haven't heard any talk about some government agency fining him for using all of that equipment and using those people on state time to do a personal, essentially a personal favor for this guy. So, and and you're correct, Bill. It's the it's the it's the the media. The media just will not go after him, and it's very simple. Why during the pandemic, he was supposed to be this hero, the anti-Trump because he would have these daily uh, uh, briefings and everybody started to love him. Most of the time, what he was saying was basically full of, he was full of shit. You know, so, Mike, they, they had him this hero. Meanwhile, he was just reading a PowerPoint that other people exactly, did for him. Exactly, exactly, exactly. And as you said, he he let the, the, um, the, the hospital boat go unused. He let the Javits Center, which was, which was converted into a hospital by the Army Corps of Engineers and then refitted to make sure that the the uh, the, the ventilation system could handle the COVID. Right. That was done as well. How many beds did they use? I think it was like 14 beds were used the entire time. And meanwhile, hospitals were, were backed up. Nursing homes were people were dying in nursing homes. And unfortunately, between six and 10,000 people were killed because of Cuomo, the quote unquote hero who was building phony mountains about how, you know, they were they took care of things. And we we beat the curve. And he had this stupid poster that he had printed up to show what a great guy he was. And I'm sure that was done on on my on state with state. Mike, there was nothing more sickening than his appearances on CNN with his brother and goes, oh. Ma, mom likes you best. No, she likes you best. Oh, yes. I wanted to vomit. I couldn't even watch it.
Exactly. <laughs> I happened to unfortunately see the one where the brother had that big, huge Q-tip because yeah, it yeah. was supposed to fit. And it made, I was so disgusted by it that I didn't even, I just turned it off. It was, it was a joke. And now, how, how and can now, you make, that how is you make a joke about such a thing? That was exactly. so, so disgusting. You, you People were, every one of us knew someone that died from COVID, and even right. in the early stages of it. Never mind, you know, it's a year and a half, almost two years later. I mean, but that, and to joke about something like that, exactly. that just shows exactly. you what narcissistic tendencies they both had. And yep. it was really, it, 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 you're right. It was stomach turning. It was stomach the brother, turning. the brother faked this return to, to yeah. his family from the basement. Meanwhile, he had some people talking about how he was out and about in, in, uh, out in East Hampton. So, you know, it, it, it's, it's a joke, but nobody, nobody, nobody in the mainstream press would have, would call them on it. No one, because the anti-Trump was the brother, Andrew. And I'm sorry, the anti-Trump was Andrew. They hated Trump so much that they needed someone they could hold up as the anti-Trump. And Andrew was doing it. It was the one. And with, with an assist by his brother, Chris, who worked for CNN. Without a doubt. Yeah, it was, it, it was the doubt. old one-two punch. Billy, yeah. I just want to give the viewers that might not know the history, people that aren't from New York, a little bit of background on Andrew Cuomo. By the way, today's his 64th birthday. He was the 56th governor of New York, born in Queens, went to Fordham University, graduated all Albany Law School. He was an uh, assistant district attorney in New York County. He became the HUD secretary under Bill Clinton. He was the New York state attorney general in 2006, and then he was elected governor in 2010, re-elected 2014, 2018. Um, obviously, he had a very good career before uh, the whole thing with COVID and the, the allegations of at least a dozen women of sexual uh, sexual harassment, sexual abuse, etc. So uh, that basically is his career. I think he made all his political connections along the way that that shielded him from a lot of the uh, controversies. But once it got to the Me Too movement with the sexual harassment, and it wasn't one accuser and two accusers and three, when it got to be 10, 11, and even I think uh, as many as 12 or more accusers, that was the beginning of the downfall. And then Letitia James, the attorney general, uh, started an investigation, which was the New York attorney general. And in August uh, 10th of 2021, he said he was going to step down uh, within two weeks, which I thought was absolutely horrendous. How does he get to pick when he was going to step down? And in that two weeks, he commuted sentences. He gave himself a golden parachute, obviously. We all know how politics worked. He didn't give away those uh, commuted sentences and pardons uh, for not some type of uh, money. And Philly, yeah. Philly, you know who he pardoned? He pardoned, pardoned Bowden, yes. the father of the yep. San Francisco DA who, who murdered two people during the Brinks robbery in Nyack, Rockland County. And right. that's why... People in Rockland County want the damn bridge named back to the Tappan Zee as fast as possible. Exactly. Yeah. You know, absolutely. And his, absolutely. And his cohort, Bill Clinton, pardoned the mother of that. Yes, uh, that's mother. right. So right, he got out. And, she, and she's a Columbia University professor now. Yes, exactly. So, so you, you, we're drawing all the, we're connecting the dots on all the lines of corruption and all of the pay for play schemes that went on over the last many number of years. But now you guys talked about the COVID debts. On March 25th of 20, that was right at the height of the pandemic, he issued an order along with the Department of Health saying that 
COVID positive senior citizens that were in nursing homes and were taken to hospitals, COVID positive, had to be returned back to the hospitals. Uh, to, I'm sorry, to the nursing homes. They couldn't stay in the hospital. They couldn't go to the ship you were talking about, Mike, and they couldn't go to the Javits Center. What was the outcome of that? As many as 15,000 deaths. And right. he actually, uh, one of his aides actually admitted under oath during the attorney general's investigation that they fudged the numbers by saying, People who were sent out of the nursing home, critically ill, you know, very close to death. They were sent back to a hospital. If they died in the hospital, they didn't count that as a COVID death. Meanwhile, they contracted it in the nursing home. So it was about 15,000 people. And now, listen, I don't want to uh, downplay any of these sexual allegations that went on with Andrew Cuomo. They're all horrendous. It's terrible. It's unacceptable behavior. However, 15,000 people were killed because of the policy, which he rescinded on May the 10th. So for those about two months or so, March, April, May, so about two months or so, he kept the policy. Why would he revoke it if it was so good of a policy? So he revoked it and would never apologize to it. And all he had to do, but his narcissistic thinking would say, listen, we thought we were doing the right thing. We thought by sending him back, it would be, it wouldn't spread as much or whatever, some kind of a reason. Instead, he denied it, denied it, denied it. He blamed the Trump administration. He tried to blame everyone except himself and a typical arrogant bully narcissist. He refused to take any, uh, responsibility for it. And now it came back to bite him. Uh, unfortunately, the, I think the sexual allegations part of it is what really took them down. But there are 15,000 people that lost, uh, uh, 15,000 families that lost loved ones. And that, to me, strikes really harder at what this guy did and and the, the ridiculous and, and horrific policies that uh, that he, uh, you know, instituted during that COVID. And he got a $5 million book deal out of it. Philly, I want to pl- play a little bit of his deposition just so you folks from out of town can see how charming this guy is and uh we're, we're, gonna, charming, yeah. we're gonna play we're yeah. gonna play a little bit of it right now i don't remember when they would normally alert me to things i needed to know about in the press office i don't know when they uh first said to me you know Lindsay is is taking this uh attack and by them, you mean the press yes. operations, and who was that in end of 2020? That would be uh, whoever was in the press. They would brief me when I was going to do a press event on things that might come up. So whenever they thought this might have come up, is when they would brief me on it. Um, but you don't, you're not on Twitter, so the I only know. way you would know is if someone told yes. you. Okay. And so uh, you don't have a specific recollection of toxic team environment. No. Okay. And then if you look at the next tab, uh, tab 30, um, it's more uh, more tweets from Lindsey Boyland. Uh, now it's uh, uh, a week and a half later, December 13th, and she's now tweeting more about sexual harassment. Right. And she originally says at the top, my first experience of workplace sexual harassment was with, when my mom got her first real office job. And then going down, she says, yes, at New York, Cuomo sexually harassed me for years. Many saw it and watched. Uh, I could never anticipate what to expect. Would I be grilled on my work, which was very good, or harassed about my looks? Or would it be both in the same conversation? This was the way for years, uh, et cetera, et cetera. She has 
yes, sir. of others. Uh, do you remember learning about this tweet or this substance of this allegation uh, that now she was saying? They must have told me about it at the time. I don't remember it, but I'm sure they told me about it at the time. Do you, you remember being told in substance she's now saying this? Yes. And like, you don't have a specific recollection, but likely the press. Yes. Yes. Yeah, and, so, and just to be clear on this point, Governor, in terms of what um, Mr. Kim just showed you at tab 29, which were a series of tweets on December 5th, and then tab 30, which are tweets on December 13th, do you remember having separate conversations about it between the, the 5th or the 13th, or do you remember this together? I don't remember any of it. Okay. I'm just sure that at one point they reached the level where they said, we, he's going out there, we have to talk to him about it. You don't have, even looking at this, you don't have a specific recollection. No. They came in, told me about toxic. You just have a general recollection. At some point, they said to the effect, something to the effect of you should be aware. Yes. She's saying yes. this um, And then was there any discussion that you were involved in about how to respond to this? The, the yes. Well, then it became a question, uh, what do we, what do, what do I say yeah. when I go out there, which was more after she wrote her magazine article. Okay. So putting aside and we'll get what you should say if you're asked at an event, press event or something about how, what can, what you and the executive chamber should do to respond. Or it react. was about what I should say, you know, I am the responder, right? So it was about when they ask me, what do we say, right? So putting that to the side, how about, should we do anything? To well, that's all part of the same thing. Okay. Were there any discussions that you were part of where people said, you, where you, dis, you or others discussed releasing documents relating to her issues? I was not, I do not remember having any conversations about releasing the items about the uh, complaints against her. I don't believe uh, I was involved in that. There was a protracted group discussion about what is the best way to handle this and what to say. And what, who was part of these uh, protracted group discussions? Everybody and their mother. Okay. Everybody had an opinion. And who, like Melissa DeRosa? Uh, Melissa had, had an opinion. Uh, Steve Cohen had an opinion. The press office had an opinion. Uh, they then would ask outside advisors, what's their opinion? Uh, they then talk to uh, lawyers, what's your opinion? Then they talk to advocacy groups, what's your opinion? Because uh, you need to say something. There's not an option go say nothing, but uh, obviously a high level of sensitivity has to be taken in what you say. Uh, you know, it's, it's amazing. It's almost like uh, what a lawyer uh, who is representing a rapist, how he has to approach the jury so as not to prejudice the jury by being too hard on like cross-examining a witness. Exactly. And I, I was thinking exactly the same thing 
the uh, the questioner was very deferential almost to him as opposed to pressing him. And um, and believe me, as a cross examiner who I've done it a lot of times, he could have really pressed him in many, many. For instance, he asked him who was part of the discussions. And he, his answer was everybody and their mother. Well, that's not an answer. Right. 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 Exactly. The, exactly. Reason, the reason he asked that question is because they now want to call in all of those people to see. Well, right. Mike, a smart Brooklyn DA would say, could you name some of those mothers? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly, Bill. Exactly. Exactly. I just want to bring a sentence in from the New York Times that's from this deposition. He stated, in my mind, I have never crossed the line with anyone, but I didn't realize the extent to which the line has been redrawn. That could be Bill Clinton. Absolutely. He must have went to the Bill Clinton school of bullshit. Well, listen, guys, he was he was there when Clinton and Lewinsky, when Clinton was having all of his Lewinsky problems. In fact, if I'm not mistaken, I read that he's the guy that gave Clinton that cigar, the infamous cigar that, oh, uh, really? that he used. Yeah, he, he says he got it from from Cuba. And he said he told Clinton, don't say anything where I got it from. Don't ask, don't tell. And um, and that's what if I remember correctly. But. He he knew exactly how to handle this, or the way he handled it was the exact same way that Clinton handled, uh, you know, handled all of this stuff back, you know, back with Lewinsky. So yeah, he he had he he had training, let's say, you know, as to how to handle of it. Course. In fact, when he there was one question I, somewhere along the line, I remember exactly what the point was. But his he said, well, it depends on what the defin, definition of the word. And I forgot what the word it was. Gr- it was girlfriend. Okay, girlfriend. Well, I guess it, yeah, it depends on your definition of what a girlfriend is. Right. right. And that, that's that's a Clinton line. Clinton used yeah. that same thing when he said. But Mike, Mike, on- you know something? I blame the questioner not to double down and say, you know, I want to know the answer. And he, yeah. he didn't get, he didn't double down on him. Like Cuomo started asking him questions. And yep. we all know from being interviewers, that's a no, no. I'll ask that's the questions. Right. You, you give me the answers. Exactly. You know, you know what? And- you know what the, what the issue is? The issue is, as you put it, Bill, intimidation somewhat. I, I'm going to give you just one other example. I had a case involving a, a corrupt politician. And one of our witnesses was um, Shelly... Uh, Shelly um, so, Silver. Shelly Silver, excuse me, yes. I had to call him to the stand to ask him a very simple question about procedure in Albany. The judge who was an appointed judge or and not as not as an elected judge appointed he put me through the friggin ring, ringer that day about how long you're going to keep him in the room before you call him how long is he going to be on the stand how long you know what kind of questions are you going to ask him make sure that you're polite with him it, it was unbelievable unbelievable well he so, also so got bad. convicted he got convicted he really belongs in prison but they let him stay out while he's appealing right, right? I, right. I was just going to say he has a long reach with a lot of friends yep. because he was convicted and yet he's he's still not in jail uh yep. he, he might have been in for a short time but he's out uh, listen he, he's got he's got friends in high places exactly and i asked him a question that he would absolutely know because it was something that they did in albany as a matter of course filling out expense forms to get reimbursement. Oh, and he said to me, oh, I, I've never heard about that, uh, that the, the procedure to, I don't really know what it is. Now, come on. And, and I'm sure that the jury didn't buy a single word that he said, but that's the way they are. You know, they, they believe that they are 
indestructible, that they're, the, you know, the shield, first of all, was the Cuomo name. And the second part of the shield was that he had, you know, the power of the governor's office behind him. And, you know, that that was it. That's why he felt he could do the things that he did. Don't forget, too, where he came from, Mike. You know, he was in the federal government under Clinton. Uh, he had, uh, you know, made a lot of relationships, obviously. Without a doubt. The Secretary of HUD. So he must have thought, you know, even with all of this uh, negative publicity, you know, he was the guy that kind of, you know, uh, not made Trump get so much, uh, you know, positive feedback on how he was handling the pandemic because every time Trump would come out and say, we're doing this and, you know, he asked for 10,000 ventilators. Trump got him as many as he needed, exactly. got him the hospital uh, ship, got him the Javits center. They, uh, there was a Christian group that set up a, a temporary hospital in central park. So the, the, the assets were there that they needed, whatever, you know, whatever they needed. And he just figured a way around it to bash him every day. And that's why he was doing those daily press conferences. That wasn't about giving people the update. It was about bashing Trump, you know? Precisely. And, and Bill, you, know, and, and you talked about the press. The press is exact, did exactly the same thing as Phil just, just um, outlined and just talked about. They protected these guys. Anybody who was anti-Trump got protected to the with the press and they're still getting protected. It's, you know, yeah. you saw in the beginning, in the beginning of when uh, Trump was, was going to get him the ventilators and everything, he actually came out one day and said, listen, everything I've asked for, the president has given me, boom, there was like a barrage against oh. him within the days following with the media. And then he went negative every day ah. since and never, and never looked back. I Guys, I want to play. I want to play a little bit of Chris Cuomo since he's the oh, other. Oh, I got a lot part, to talk about with him. He's the other part of this, and uh, let me Mike let me Cuomo on Tuesday after a state investigation showed in greater detail how he helped his brother, former Governor Andrew Cuomo, defend himself against sexual misconduct allegations. Cuomo addressed the suspension on Tuesday on his Sirius XM radio show. Uh, it's embarrassing, but I understand it. And I understand why some people feel the way they do about what I did. It's the last thing I ever wanted to do was compromise any of my colleagues and do anything but help. That was Wednesday on the Sirius XM radio show. As for Cuomo's future, CNN says it is up in the air pending further evaluation. Well, we, we obviously now know that he was fired and it, they didn't fire him because CNN has a conscience, so CNN has some kind of integrity. They fired him because they had to. When they saw what he was doing, he was also intimidating witnesses, reaching out to other journalists to get the information on witnesses against his brother. Precisely. For what reason? So he could intimidate them. Right. You know? And and all of a sudden, like, CNN now has a conscience that they're going to do something about it. It's really scary because it's like when you talk about weaponizing power, that's weaponizing power. You know, and being in this position where you have the ability not only to find out this information, but use it and destroy someone. That's really scary. Exactly. And I'd love to find out if the the allegations of sexual harassment by him, Chris, with these people at ABC, which is now years and years ago, never been been talked about before. Did, did CNN do any kind of um, investigation before they hired him? The answer is probably no. But so far, you know, that's the excuse that CNN is now using why they fired him, because, oh, this is just even more than what he did with his brother. So I, I, I don't know. 
I, you know, I'm pretty certain that he probably did do it, but, um, but who knows, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it may be just simply the excuse because nobody has talked about it before this, no one. And that raises a, you know, a red flag for me. A, a little background on Chris Cuomo. I did a little research on him. He's 51 years old, also a graduate of Yale Fordham law, but here's the thing. Now his brother's the governor now, I'm going to fast forward a little bit into his career, but think about this. Now, the brother's the governor. Chris worked for CNBC, CNBC, MSNBC, CNN, and Fox News. He was actually the morning anchor for Good Morning America from 2006 to 2009, and he also worked on the show 2020, which is an ABC show. Right. In 2013, he was doing CNN Mornings, and in 2018, they named him into a prime primetime spot. So the point I'm trying to make is, he had a grasp on a vast array of people in the media business, without, journalism. Without so when he was, it, this came out in the attorney general's report, Letitia James's report, that he was having discussions and participating in legal strategies with a top aide to the governor regarding the sexual harassment allegations and inquiries about the victims and how to do deep dives into their backgrounds so that they could use that as a, a positive uh, way to, to help the governor basically, you know, sandbagging the victims. They were going after the victims. So that's why I think CNN had to fire him. Uh, listen, I get it's your brother and you want to help your brother. When the allegations broke, he could have went on the air and said, listen, I am going to take a leave of absence because I would exactly. like to support my brother. Anything he did from that point, I don't think would have been looked upon as negatively it is right now. He may have even retained his job. But once he started, he was con he was conducting an investigation, basically, with a top aide from Cuomo, uh, the governor's office. I won't say Cuomo, they're both Cuomo, but Andrew Cuomo, the governor's office. He And she admitted under oath that she had daily conversations with him regarding these victims. Uh, they were calling them accusers, but they were victims. And um, they were actually talking about how they were going to strategize and what press releases they were going to make and what statements they were going to make. So he was very, very much on the defense of the governor. And that was actually a, uh, a, a something that a journalist shouldn't have been doing. He crossed journalistic lines. It was a conflict of interest. And I guess that's why he's no longer working for CNN. Mike, I just want to, uh, Joe oh, Murray, who's a Joe defense Murray. attorney, He's I given see. me he's given me money again, so I got to read his comments. Uh, he says, "Hi, Mike. Why hasn't anyone offered Joe Percoco a cooperation deal for information about Cuomo's illegal dealings? The SOL has extended five years um, for public offenders who commit crimes in office." Well, let's just say that never say never, and um, it's not over yet. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there. The investigation, if it's legitimate, if it's legitimate, and I really say that, um, you know, uh, knowing about some of these investigations that take place, um, then uh, then they may very well get around to Prococo and giving him a deal. You mean you know, line up the usual suspects? Is that what you mean yeah. by those investigations? <laughs> Boy, I wish Mike would have had this investigation because I know it might be turning out a lot different. Yeah. You know, guys, I want to play a little just because it's so apropos to what we're talking about, the dishonesty of the media. And I want to play a little bit of our friend Alec Baldwin's interview because it just reminds me of exactly what we're talking about here. Marker, good. Great. Alec, thank you for doing this. 
You haven't said this in public since that tragic accident. Why, why speak out now? Well, I think that um, there's a criminal investigation that could be a while. Uh, there's all kinds of civil litigation. And I felt there were a number of misconceptions, most of it from sources I really wouldn't concern myself about, but a couple that I did concern myself about, where there were these authoritative statements about this is what happened. The sheriff's department hasn't even released a report to the DA yet. The reason I wanted to sit down with you is because I really feel like I can't wait for that process to fit to end in February, March. I mean, I'm not asking them to speed it up for my benefit, that's ridiculous. But I am saying that they're gonna do what they need to do. And I wanted to come to talk to you to say that well, I would go to any lengths to undo what happened. I would go to any lengths to undo what happened. I think the big question, and the one you must have asked yourself a thousand times, how could this have happened? Well, there's two things I wanna say about that. One is that when I talk about this, my concern is that I don't sound like I'm the victim because there is a victim. There's a woman who died and my friend got shot. He's my friend and she was a new friend. I met her and we worked together on the, some of the mapping out of what we're gonna do on the film, which, you know, in the movie terms, if you go make a movie with Scorsese, you and the DP don't sit down and they solicit your ideas of how to make the film, you know what I mean? In the case of Helena, we sat down collaboratively and talked a lot about what we wanted to do in that uh, a precious amount of time we had. But um, I, I, I want to make sure that I don't come across like I'm the victim because we have two victims here. And the second thing is, is that all of what happened on that day leading up to this event was precipitated on one idea. And that is that Helena and I had something profound in common. And that is we both assumed the gun was empty other than those you know, uh, dummy rounds. I want to get into more detail on the day in a minute, but let's take a step back. What was it that drew you to this project in the first place, to Rust? I'd worked on a project with Joel before. Joel Susan, Susan right. He, he did this movie, Crown Vic, that I produced. And uh, Joel and I stayed in touch. We're friends, and I loved Rust. He, he said, I want to send you this. And I read it, and I said, I love it. I love it. Rust, a low-budget Western, tells the story of an aging outlaw on the run with his young grandson. Baldwin, the film's star, is also one of the producers. Very excited, very, very, so excited that we finally got this made because every independent film has many false starts. You know, and when it finally goes, you finally get, you feel like a plane. When you finally get some lift under your wings, it's very, very gratifying. I am a purely creative producer. My authorities as a producer are casting and script, which are actually married to the. Do you see how he's trying to remove himself from any responsibility regarding sure. safety or anything else? I My whole job was just taking care of the towels. I wash the towels every day. You know, like, are you kidding me? Yep. <laughs> Role of yeah. being an actor in a film. So you're not the kind of producer who's looking at the line item of each budget? No, 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 no. no. There, there, there are basically two types of producers who are, who are really in charge of production. People that raise the money and the people who spend the money. My consultations or approvals were completely about casting and about the script. 
I don't hire anybody in the crew. I don't Not even the cinematographer, no one. No, no, but he will apprise me of what he's doing. I have absolutely nothing to do with safety. Let's make that clear. And they'll say to me, I got Helena Hutchins to be the DP. I said, oh, how do you feel about that? Are you excited? I'm very excited. She's wonderful. What did you know about Helena Hutchins before she started working on this? I knew nothing about her until Joel said to me, I got her. She was fantastic. Helena Hutchins, the talented cinematographer praised by many in the industry, was a trailblazer in the field historically dominated by men. Make sure we don't see people walking around like walking around. The Ukrainian-born cinematographer quickly gelled with Baldwin. The people who watched the oh, let me, everybody. Let me move a little further on. Who worked with her? Russ' 21-day production began filming on October 6th at the Bonanza Creek Ranch, just outside Santa Fe, New Mexico. The ranch has long been a favorite location for filming westerns. Did it raise any red flags with you? No. This, this training course you do, what did she tell you? She said things like, remember, this is, a, this is a blank round, so you have to create the discharge yourself because there's no projectile. So if you shot the gun, you go bang. When we roll the camera, you gotta go bang and have the gun, gun snap back. You have to create that. She would give you little tips about firing. And she'd say to you, you know, you know, when we're done, point the gun down. When we're done, you give the gun to me or to Halls, only those two people. Dave Halls was Rust's assistant director, also known as the first AD. Seen here in this IMDB photo, he was responsible for keeping the production on schedule. Sometimes we would be on a set that was a very, very cramped set and they wanted people in that room on an as-needed basis. If I'm holding the gun and they say cut, I then hand the gun to Halls if she's not there. Yeah, why Halls, not Hannah? Some people have said that only the armorer should be handed. No, 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 that, that's that's in, inaccurate, meaning in, in, in the protocols of the business, meaning Hannah would to hand me the gun 99% of the time, no, whatever, the, the preponderance of the time. But when we would say cut, if Hannah was away from the set, I would hand Halls the gun. Hannah Gutierrez-Reed had a dual role on set, armorer, and she was also the assistant prop master for the film. One of the things her attorney has said is that she was hired for two positions on the film and therefore was stretched in an inappropriate way. Did she raise any of those concerns with you? No, I assume that everyone who's shooting a lower budget film uh, is stretched, myself included. Well, I just wanted to, you know, comment on some of the things there. We we went over this case in much more depth when we had John Pelucci on, who was the ballistics expert. And Alec claimed that he never pulled the trigger, which we scientifically proven, we proved in our last show uh, that we did on Alec Baldwin was an absolute lie. And this journalist, uh, George Snuffleupagus from Sesame Street, never asked him follow-up questions was throwing him gigantic beach balls to catch. And I'm sure that if he didn't like Alec Baldwin, he would have been going after him. And he would have had a ballistics expert to refer to after he asked him that question to refute the answer he gave. None of that was present during this interview. And I saw George Stephanopoulos the next day on Good Morning in America, and he was like, it was one of the most intense interviews. I, are you kidding me? That was one of the most softball interviews I've ever witnessed in my life. Phil Grimaldi, I could see you chomping at the bit. Go get him. 
Well, basically, he used words like preponderance, which is a legal term. So he obviously uh, went over things with an attorney, which I guess that's almost like standard in a situation like this. Why he did it was really trying to get out in front of everything. He knew that, you know, the investigation, it it was farther far out enough from the actual incident that he can now talk about it, but it wasn't to the point where they were going to make decisions on whether there's going to be criminal charges or if there would have been any civil cases going on. So he was trying to get out in front of it. And listen, it's all choreographed. Like you said, the thing that got me with that whole interview, and I went over it the last time when he said, uh, Stephanopoulos asked him if he was guilt, if he felt the, the, the emotion guilt, if he felt guilty and, and it, Quarter of a second, he said, no, absolutely not. Now, I, I use the scenario, if somebody cut the brake lines on my car and I pull out of my driveway and I, God forbid, ran over a kid on a bicycle, I'm feeling guilt, even though it's not my fault. He should have never said that. I think the the torrent of uh, negativity that came his way afterwards, he had to pull down his Twitter accounts. He did himself no good. Mike, I don't know. What's your opinion? Do you think he did well, himself any good with that interview? No, I don't. I think he was, I think he was horrible because um, – Basically, what he did is deny, deny, deny. That's essentially what he did. Yeah. And if his, if he went on that show without being prepared by his attorney, then his attorney has to get locked up for malpractice. Because yeah. who would send someone who is in the middle of this firestorm, criminal investigation, civil cases, many civil cases, how do you put someone on that in that hot seat and have them ask, have them answer questions. If you don't know what the questions are going to be, now you can't tell me that that um, ABC didn't go over those questions with his attorney. Because who would let someone go on there in that situation without getting a sense as to what the questions were going to be? And Bill, you hit it right on the head. Softball doesn't even. It's wiffle ball, <laughs> Mike. It was a t- it was a total love fest. Oh, it was like, God. oh, Alec, we we love you. We're going to ask you the easiest questions. Don't worry, you know. And and he cried at the and he cried at the right spot, you know. And yeah. you know, I got to tell you something. I, I at one point in my defense attorney career, I represented uh, an actor, and um and he testified on his own behalf at the trial. And you know what the prosecutor did? And he did this. I would have done it if I was the prosecutor. He said to the jury, I want you, ladies and gentlemen, to remember that this is a trained actor. And what he told you was a story that he is trying to sell to you as if he was in a movie or a TV show and have you believe what he said. And that's what happened here. He's a he's an actor and he knows when to cry, when to when to, you know, to to put his hands to his face. And he looked awful. And I believe that he looked awful on purpose. Yeah. Because he needed to show the the public that he's so distraught over this. Come on. I mean, he could have combed his hair. He could have had some makeup and he could have fixed those bags under oh his eyes. Oh my God, those bags under his eyes. That, that, that all was done intentionally. It was all Absolutely. Done. He wouldn't look like that if he was going on Jimmy Kimmel's show or doing a Saturday Night Live segment. Precisely. Precisely. Philly, he probably said, like Jake LaMotta, hit me, hit me. You know, he came. <laughs> Yeah, he, yeah, yeah. He, listen, he was trying to, and he said, "I haven't been getting much sleep and and that whole thing." But right. look, I think that one of the things that they probably discussed beforehand, because it did not come up, was this is going to be off limits. There were indications and stories. There was uh, 
possibly target practice with that same gun in the days before the horrible incident exactly. that, that took place. It didn't come up. He was never, that would have been one of the first couple of questions I would have asked. Of course, they keep going, oh, well, how did the bullets get on the, the set? How did the bullet, they weren't supposed to be live rounds. They were yeah, well, there was. There was, obviously. And there were other live rounds recovered. We know that already from the police department. They, The prosecutor admitted that, that the police department recovered other live rounds. So there was a mixture of rounds, whether it be dummy blanks and these other rounds and the live rounds. So why didn't George Stephanopoulos ask that? I mean, that well, didn't even, you know, how do you Because he didn't want to ask any question right. that it was, was tough. what Mike said. It was choreographed ahead yeah. of time that these are the things we'll talk about and we're going to stay away from this or that. That's you know, it, he never he never asked also about the um, the budget for the, mo- for the movie. They scrimped on hiring an armorer who really wasn't very experienced. They scrimped on other, other parts of the, of the, the cast. I'm sorry, the crew. And, um, and that was not talked about very well either. If at all, I don't, I didn't see the entire interview because I've got to tell you halfway through it or three quarters of the way through it. I said, I can't listen. I can't listen. Well, well, he, he touched base on one of the points. Now what you're talking about, there were people that were quitting because the hotel room that had stay in was like an hour's drive away because it was cheaper and stuff like that. And he said, Oh, well, when they came to me with this problem, like a day before the, the incident happened, I said, Oh, I'm going to give some of my salary back to get you guys better. Yeah. yeah, I can imagine the guy quit the next day. So it's, it it was all self-serving, you you know, Mike, Philly, let's take, Let's take a quick commercial break and we'll come right back. Joe Murray, attorney at law. Have you found yourself in a jam? Are you in need of legal counsel in the New York area? Do you need a victim's advocate? Well, Joe Murray is your man. He's not only an experienced trial attorney, he's also a retired 15-year member of the NYPD. He literally knows both sides of defense. His website is jmurray-law.com, and his telephone number is 646-838-1702, or you could reach Joe on email at joe at jmurray-law.com. Folks, uh, if you want to uh, watch things from a police perspective, uh, watch a show where we're trying to get the most eclectic guests you can have in uh, Real Crime Stories, Police Off the Cuff Real Crime Stories is your show. Uh, If you can assist us on Patreon, become a member of our Patreon. We give some extra uh, videos. We talk to our customers on Patreon, our subscribers, our fans. We also have a YouTube channel where you guys can, uh, there's like six or five or six uh, levels for the bucket, two ninety nine a month, six ninety nine a month. Beverages, backyard beverages with Canon, coffee with Canon, whatever you want to call it. Ninety nine, nine ninety nine a month. Polish my rack, twenty four ninety nine a month. What is oh, uh, dipped in butter, and for the premiere, forty nine ninety nine a month. Heated dipped in butter. There's only one guy at that. I want someone else to get some heated dipped in butter. Join our YouTube, please. Get feel what that heated dipped in butter feels like. All right. Who doesn't like? Warm he did. Butter. That's right. Raw butter, you know. Lobster, come on. That's right. So, folks, it's like you know, we're trying to. Besides covering these stories, there's got to be humor to this, and there always is humor on this show. And um, you know, comparing some of these uh, these characters that we have in the media, and what like what is their motivation? And it's 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 clearly biased. And I'm not going to say that Fox News isn't also biased. They are biased, but of course they are. When they when they do things like this, there's a certain agenda, and when they use the word journalism, 
I don't know if journalism exists anymore. You, you know, Bill, there's something, though, like you brought up Fox News. They have journalists and they have commentators and they 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 put it out there like this is this show is a commentary by this commentator. And then during the day when they have their news shows, they, they those are supposed to be journalists. Listen, they might be a, a little uh, swayed one way or the other. They have their own opinions about things, obviously, and they're not afraid to put that out there. That's why I give them credit. Whereas, you know, these other uh, CNN and, and CNBC, they seem to be very, very slanted in the left direction and they absolutely tell outright lies. I just want to stop one real quick second about Chris Cuomo. I left this out. Uh, when the whole thing broke about uh, whether or not uh, his brother was involved in these sexual allegations, in March 2021, he came on the air and said, listen, I'm not going to comment on any stories related to my brother. So he took himself out of the mix for that. And then he went on to get involved in these conversations with the top aides. So he really... You know, he put himself in a trick bag, as they say, to be thrown off the show and to be fired. And uh, I just thought that that was worth mentioning about him. Well, Phil, there was one other thing he mentioned. He said also he promised his viewers that he did not he did not go out and try to solicit information from his sources right. to, uh, to help his brother. And that turned out to be a complete lie because under oath to the investigators, he admitted that he did do that, as we now know he did do. Yes. So, yes. Oh, I'm sorry. Here we go. It's to you who watch my show. And thank you for that. You're straight with me. I'll be straight with you. Obviously, I'm aware of what's going on with my brother. And obviously, I cannot cover it because he is my brother. Now, of course, CNN has to cover it. They have covered it extensively and they will continue to do so. I have always cared very deeply about these issues and profoundly so. I just wanted to tell you that there's a lot of news going on that matters also. So let's get after that. <laughs> he, he's so concerned with the news. You know, right. he's so concerned. So, you know, that hits right what Phil was talking about before. He is supposed to be a newsman and giving news. But what he is, is what happens on Fox from eight, nine and 10. They're opinion people and they don't right. make any they don't hide that. They're opinion uh, 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 commentators. He claims to be a newsman, but he the guy after him and the people before him are all opinion people. They're not they don't read straight news. Sometimes they don't even cover things, you know, that that happen if they're not for if they're not. Uh, Mike, Mike, you know something you hit it on the head. The biggest disservice the media does is reporting through omission. Exactly. It doesn't, it doesn't agree with their narrative. So they exactly. just don't report on it at all. Hunt the Biden laptop, anyone? Yeah, yeah. And that's exactly right, right. And you know, now when they've done polls of people who voted for the president, learning for the first time that there was this whole laptop situation, they said 10% of the people who voted for him said, they would not have voted for him had they had they known about the laptop situation. That if that was the case, that means Trump is the president today, not uh, not Biden. So you know it's um, that's what the media does, and they do it on purpose. And you know, guys, as you know, they're still doing it. They still hide certain stories. They still don't report the the whole tragedy in Wisconsin. Yes, you know they even yes. reported on that. 
in ter- in in detail like they did with the Chauvin uh you know Chauvin homicide that is that that is is it caught a quick media cycle and then now it's out of the news and yet exactly. uh, with with the kid that that killed all the kids in the, in the high school uh, last week I mean Granted, that's a horrible thing, and they should cover it. But they put the other thing. That, that guy was actually a terrorist. He was legitimately a Black exactly. Lives Matter terrorist, exactly. and they, they dropped it. And it's disgusting how, you, you know, uh, we're supposed to have uh, – l- listen, in, in what we do on podcast and in television uh, media, there's a certain part of it that is like uh, a little bit of show business. Now, that's what they were doing at CNN. They weren't – reporting the news they were conducting show business they were only showing one side of it not reporting other things that's then you can't call yourself a journalist because a journalist you're supposed to report you know phil i think i phil i think what you're talking about is when it suited them to be entertainment for example when he was the star when he was the star of the united states during the covid thing when they he was doing all these presentations and yeah I, i was reading in the chats these people were just gushing over this guy. Oh, I loved him. oh my I loved God, him. what a leader, what a leader. And I would go into the chat and go, he's a disgrace. And people would be like, yeah, 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 you know. <laughs> but it was like they were gushing over this guy. And all he was doing was reading a PowerPoint that someone else produced for him. Yeah, they loved him. They and they, loved they just, they loved it. And now it's like CNN would bring him on and him and his brother would do the Cuomo brother act. And people were like, oh my God, they're so great. I love them. I'll marry you. You know, I was just like, this is disgusting. That's, his, that's journalism. His demeanor, uh, Andrew Cuomo's demeanor, when he gave those presses every day, he had a just certain way about him. He was a bit of a, a commanding, and he just was very slow and methodical about it. And even though you could tell he was full of shit what he was saying, it sounded believable. It sounded like the right thing. I mean, how could you make a, a, a claim that putting people who were infected with COVID – back into a nursing home, which that's the highest risk category is elderly. And you're going to put them back there. That makes sense. But he sold it to the American people. And when people were dying, they didn't want to believe they were like, no, no, it, it, it was Trump's fault. They just wanted to point it at Trump. It was really sickening and, and, and exactly. disgusting. You know, and, and he just had a way of, of, of he put on a good act. That's what it was. It was an act. After he rescinded that order in May of 20, uh, I guess it was 2020. Why didn't the press ask him if and or ask him about all of the people who died in the nursing homes as a result of that order being in place? No one asked him that. No Never. one asked him, well, why didn't you send them to the Javits Center? Why didn't you send them to the, to, the, to, the, to the hospital ship? No one asked that because the press was looking to do what they were told to do, which is don't make him look bad. He's our anti-Trump hero and we can't have you making him look bad. That's what that was all about. Mike, let me ask you something. Sure. Does Andrew Cuomo recover from this? And does he run for office in a year, two years, three (laughs) years? Does he recover from this? You want my gut reaction? Yes. Yeah, I I agree. I I agree with you. Yes, he does. He does. Because there are, listen, look at how horrible a career the guy who's in the White House has had over the course of the last 50 years. He has done nothing. He never passed a piece of legislation. He's been caught lying about his career, about his background. He is he just is is horrendous. 
Also, yes, allegations of sexual harassment on all, the yes, as well. absolutely ignored, that, completely ignored in the media. All of that sniffing of the hair of these of these little girls, and and that woman who made the allegation during the and look where he is now. He's in the White House after all of that. The guy is the typical perfect swamp politician who you know has gotten along at, because he gets along. That's the bottom line, you know. And um, and so yes, I believe that. There is the possibility that Andrew Cuomo will run for office again. Hey, and he believes it too, guys. He has already yes. started to talk about running for attorney general. Yes. So, I agree with you, Mike, because he's just an arrogant bully narcissist. Yes, and he is. What is a narcissist? If you look at look it up in a dictionary, it's oh I'm not, I didn't do anything wrong. I'm gonna be able to run again. You know, he's gonna take that stand. It's all about him, not about the victims and not about the fifteen thousand people he killed. It's about him. Now, there's, there's one caveat to that. If he is convicted of a crime, and if it's a felony crime, then he will, of course, be barred from holding office. Right. If it's a misdemeanor, he still can hold office. But it's very, very doubtful that he would. The one, one of the things that we haven't talked about, but I now I, I feel that it's one of the most insidious things that has happened during this investigation is, and I'm sure she didn't do it on her own, Melissa DeRusso, called a woman who used to work for um, in who's now who was working for the MTA to ask her to call a former staffer of, of uh, Cuomo's out in California to test the waters to see if she was going to jump on board with these other women. And if she had heard anything and was going to testify and going to come on board and the conversation that they had, these two women was, the, the, the recording of it was of a California in California. You need to have a two party um, uh, approval consent to record yeah. someone. And um, and that may very well be a problem for uh, for everybody. And if it turns out that DeRusso and I'm sure she's going to say this if she gets put in handcuffs. Hey, listen, guys. He told me to do this. Right. He told me to do it. Well, now now Let's that question about Prococo. That's when it comes up because maybe Prococo has information that can back up the the way that Cuomo runs his his, his office and the way that he intimidated people. So um, so that could very well stop him if he gets convicted of a crime. Lover of the law, new uh, YouTube member of uh, Police Off the Cuff. Thank you so much for joining the Police Off the Cuff family. We appreciate all you guys who are channel members, all our Patreon members. And just all you folks that are subscribed that listen to us. And, uh, you know, we call this police off the cuff real crime stories. And in the daytime, I have coffee with Cannon, but sometimes I call it bitching with Bill. Sometimes I think this show becomes <laughs> bitching with Bill, Phil, and Mike, you know, because that's what, you know, former cops, that's what we love to do. We love, we love to complain, you know, and I'm sure DAs are no different, right? Mike? I was going to say, a former prosecutor is in the same boat as you guys. So, you know, he likes to complain as well. Yeah, we love to complain. So why not? This is this is our venue. This is how we complain. I don't call it complaining. I call it like, you know, giving my professional opinion on things. And some things are just like so obvious. Like with, with Chris Cuomo faking his quarantine, he came out of the basement. Yeah. And then uh, the day before, he got into an argument with somebody 
while he was out riding his bike. The guy saw him and said, aren't you supposed to be quarantining? He's riding a bike without a mask. So listen, I'm not saying that, you know, uh, you can't go on CNN and say, oh, quarantining, you should be wearing a mask and you have to stay away. And then you're out not doing it. You know, it's, it's so hypocritical. It's ridiculous. And I really think that karma got both of these guys. I believe in karma and it, it came back to bite both of them on the ass and exactly. no love lost exactly. with either one of them. Hopefully let's hope that that doesn't happen. Mike, that he winds up, Andrew winds up running again for, uh, I hope so. I, I think hope. Chris will find his spot in media somewhere Chris. along the way. There we go. There we go. Put it up. Cleared by CDC. It's yeah. This is what I've been dreaming of literally for weeks. My wife, yeah, right. what a liar. <laughs> You're cleared by the CDC. She doesn't have fever. She doesn't have the symptoms anymore. More than seven days from the quarantine. We're still a little scared, so I'll just give you one of these. 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 Bella has, of course, taken the video. This is the dream, just to be back up here doing normal things. Thank you for being so nice to me. Thank you for taking care of everything you had to. Thank you for taking care of me. And Bella, thank you for stepping up and now adding family videographer to your resume. Yes, She's rolling her eyes. Mm -hmm. Wow. <laughs> it's not for me. Ah, thank you. This is for when we go outside. Um, that's what we have to do now, all of us in New York. So anyway, I'm back. Let's get after it. Unbelievable. You know, guys, the other... You know how much of a hypocrite he is. It turns out that there were reports that his wife was bathing during this time in some kind of bleach and some kind of other kind of stuff that, uh, you know, to fight all of this stuff. Meanwhile, I would bet you dollars to donuts that when Trump made that stupid statement about drinking the bleach or, and it was a joke and clearly everybody should have taken it as a joke because it was. I mean, no one could be could take that seriously. I'm sure that this guy was was criticizing him. And uh, and and yet now we find out that his wife was doing something similar to what exactly. Trump had yeah. was saying you should do. You know, you, can we use it? Can we use that stuff to uh, to help us? But yeah, he, he made like a facetious statement and they they took it as like, oh, he said you should inject bleach into your yeah, body. Exactly. That's not what he was saying. Now, know. You know, one thing about Trump is this. When you look at the president, Biden, that's been in president president for about a year now. He doesn't take questions. He does a press conference. It's He makes a zillion mistakes. He obviously can't find his way. Trump would get up there and ask questions until there were no more questions. Right. He was the president every day you heard from him. Now, you you know, I mean, and he, even going back in history, you didn't hear that many statements or press conferences from the president. Like Guys, guys like I that. can't, I have to show this video and then we're going to make comments after this because this is the famous Fredo oh, I know video. Which one this uh, is. man Chris Cuomo lashing out at a Trump supporter who insulted him. I'll throw you down these stairs like a punk. What was the big insult? The guy called him Fredo. <laughs> I didn't insult you. Call me Fredo. You know my name now. Fredo. He's referring, of course, to Fredo Corleone, the loser brother from the Godfather. I can handle things. I'm smart. I'm smart. Everybody says, like, dumb, it's smart, and I want respect. For Cuomo, whose big brother Andrew, governor of New York State, it's a big time slur. Fredo is from the Godfather. He was a weak brother. Isn't that your And they use it as an Italian aspersion. Any of you Italian? Are you Italian? It's an insult to your people. It's an insult to your 
people. No, you're an insult to the Italian people. Exactly. To the delight of the president, who is no fan of Cuomo's. What Chris Cuomo did was horrible. His language was horrible. He looked like a total out-of-control animal. He lost it. CNN says Cuomo's rant was justified. Chris Cuomo defended himself when he was verbally attacked with the use of an ethnic slur in an orchestrated setup. The network said in the statement, we completely support him. He's also getting support from an unexpected source, his TV rival, Sean Hannity, from Fox News. I say good for Chris Cuomo, Hannity tweeted. He's out with his nine-year-old daughter and his wife, and this guy is being a jackass. Also on Team Cuomo, Anthony Scaramucci, the former uh, White House communicator. Oh, I don't like him. Uh, host the podcast, Mooch and the Misses. My heart was because he got ambushed. There was obviously a uh, camera on him. What happened to this guy's neck? Him. <laughs> yeah, 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 really. Young children, and he got defensive. Cuomo is now speaking out, saying he regrets losing his cool. I should be better than the guys baiting me, he tweeted. No need to add to the ugliness. I'll throw you down these stairs like a punk. That's not really an oh, ethnic yeah. slur. Nice no, you know something. Phil, yeah, Phil, exactly. he's he not an ethnic slur at all. No, because no. he invented that. He invented it's a slur that on the to spot. the person. He's an yeah. idiot. That's why I call I, I can't tell you how many times when I talk to my brother and my cousin Joe about Cuomo before the Fredo thing, I swear to you. And I can't be, begin to tell you how many times I said, I'm so embarrassed that this guy is Italian. I mean it. I said it because uh, he was doing thing after thing after thing. Exactly. Even before the pandemic stuff, he just was he was an embarrassment to himself, to his uh, ethnicity, to the Italian people. He, and they both proved that they're both shadrols. That's the only way to put it. <laughs> they're both shadrols. <laughs> You know, but you know, this all of a sudden he turned into like a wise guy. Oh, fuck it, you know, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. exactly. You know? He was the ethnic slur. Believe me, he was yeah. the ethnic slur. Yeah, exactly. Oh, God. Oh, the, my, the reason for showing that, my second part of that question, will Chris Cuomo ever work in broadcasting again? Oh, yeah. I Without a so. doubt. Without a doubt. When the smoke clears, he'll somebody will say, "Oh, name recognition. All these women like him, or whatever." Blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. He's got a big fan base. Boom, he'll find the spot. And listen, it happened to um, the guy from Channel from Four. Oh God, I can't think of his name. He did this the evening news. Uh, uh, he's got light hair. I can't think of his William. name. Oh, not, not Brian Williams. Brian Williams. Brian Williams. Yeah. He's back on. The other guy from CNN. Was but Brian Brian Williams was was just a liar. They like liars. Dan Rather was a liar too. Yeah. He's working again now. He's doing it, rock and roll. He's interviewing rock and roll stars now. Well, listen. Bottom line is he'll find the spot. I'm sure of it. No doubt. No doubt. Hey, listen. Look at the look at the cast of characters on MSNBC. That's even worse than CNN. Oh my god. And oh, yeah. um, so you know, I wouldn't be surprised if um, if in in a month or two. He gets hired over there, or by you know, I would say by the summer he'll be working again. That's what I. Yeah, think. That's I could not believe well, he, that he was making six million dollars a year. I could not believe that. I didn't think does. CNN made six million a year as a they network. They probably don't. And you know what's what's got the other thing that's going to happen with CNN is apparently they were sold to another company, and and I read somewhere that the guy who who bought them his idea is to transform the network back into a hard news network and not. The way and not keep it the way it is right now because it morphed into this 
you know, this this political opinion every all day, every day, you know. Right. So, it was uh, owned by it was owned by Ted Turner years ago. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. And he's back started, in the nineties. Hey Phil, some people in the chat want to know how do you spell Shadrul? <laughs> <laughs> I spell it C H A D R U L E. Shadrul. Exactly. Shadrul. <laughs> but listen, I did I did uh, an interview. There was uh, an interview with uh, CNN back in the 90s. I think it was around 94, 95, about Russian organized crime. We worked with a guy, uh, a producer by the name of Jim Polk. They were excellent. And it was a show called uh, CNN Presents. It was a Sunday night show. It was an hour-long show. And at that time, they were journalistically uh, okay. You know, they, they reported facts. And we had a great time with them. But now they went into this, it's all about opinion and it's all about, you know, uh, they're almost like a, a third arm of the of the Democratic Party now. No and, doubt about it. Yeah, no yeah. And, it. and I don't I don't want to get into politics so much, but it's almost like you have to, you know, you have to address it. I mean, it's obvious what yeah. they do, you know. As, as far as him getting worked by the summer, I would agree with you, Mike. I, I really believe that could be. But there are two, at least two sexual harassment allegations one was from a boss from 20 years ago. She came yeah, out. Yeah, that's a problem. Sexually, yeah, so he might he might have a little trip up there, but I, I am sure one day soon in the future, he'll be back on either radio, cable, or something like that. He'll he'll be back. He's not going away. Hey, He's Phil, he, he already made me an off of police off-the-cuff real crime stories. He wants to buy us out. You don't buy me out. I buy you out. Yeah, right. <laughs> that's what he was told. No, you're a Shadrul. You don't buy us out. We buy you out, You don't buy me out. I buy you out. You, I've been, I, well, I've been making bones in Vegas while you were banging cheerleaders. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Since we're going to talk about the Godfather and Fred, yeah, bring that up. Well, you better oh, start calling God. him Mo from now on. So that, uh, yeah, Mo, Mo, Green. Mo Green. Let me tell, let me tell you a little story. There was this guy they called Mister Las Vegas. His name was Mo Green. Someone put a bullet in his eye. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's classic. And that was you know that that actor was I right. It. I accepted it because yeah. it wasn't. It was strictly business, business. right? But that was Lee nope. Strasberg. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, You know, I have to tell you that when I heard that 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 guy call Chris Cuomo Fredo, I had I laughed my ass. Oh my oh, god, it was so funny! It fit so well. To, yeah, you know, to what. He is and how he is, you know, it's, yeah. uh, it's unbelievable. So, uh, <laughs> it was very but, you know, it's funny how he morphed into and said, that's a racial slur. How, how did Fredo morph into a racial slur? Uh, Cause uh, it's the useless brother. Uh, how is that a racial slur? You know, it's like, you know what he did? He did exactly what the guy was trying to do. He insulted him and he showed how much it bothered him. Exactly. So the guy must've been like, Oh my God, he, the guy had to be getting off on it. You know, it, yeah. it was, yeah. He, he threw an insult at him. It was obviously an insult. He, and he, he was successful in getting to him. He got to him. He did what you're not supposed to do. You're not supposed well, you to know something? He'd be the first yeah. guy to criticize cops for getting their child hooked by a protester, you know? Like, he was the guy that said, oh, since when does it say that protesters have to be peaceful? Yeah, it says it in the yeah. first few paragraphs of the Constitution. Yeah. You know? I'm sure he laughed his ass off when he about that the time that those cops got doused by the water on the street. I would bet dollars to yeah, dollars they yeah, had a yeah. big laugh over that. You know? Let them put a uniform on. Go stand on the front line of the protest. Be cursed at, spit at, bottles thrown at you, and then assaulted with fire extinguishers and God knows what else. Never and happened. then say to me, oh, what does it say in the Constitution that it has to be a peaceful protest? Bullshit. 
Hey, at the Michael Brown shooting, he was out on the street jacking up the crowd, like going yeah. to the gangbangers and actually encouraging them. I was yeah. like, this guy's a reporter? You know, are you kidding me? Yeah, he, was, he wanted to have a good uh, shot for, you know, for CNN. It's really, it's just, the, it's really demoralizing when you think about how, how the press is in this country today. It's just unbelievable, you know? And, and I have to tell you that, guys, I have stopped for the most part watching um, I don't, I don't watch network news at all. And, um, and I get most of my, you know, news from reading and, um, and I always, no matter what publication I read, I always read it or take it with a grain of salt because I know that the story is not entirely true, no matter where it stands, no matter what paper it's in or in magazine. To, and, and, um, and that's not the way that, uh, that life should be. We shouldn't have to live that way, you no. know? And, but we do. You know, Phil, yeah. someone in the chat spelled Shadrul, C-I-D-R-U-L-E, Snow Lion, Southern Italian dialect, cucumber or stupid. Austrians also call stupid people a cucumber. Okay, <laughs> see, now, I'm glad that she put that because that C-I-D-R-U, uh, we say it maybe with a little bit of a heart of an accent. I was putting the C-H in there, Shadrul, you know, but right. that makes sense. That, that's but, probably but, the actual spelling in, in, in Italian. Exactly. You know? See, guys, <laughs> see, you learn something here. You learn something watching. Exactly. Something. You learn all kinds of different words. And no, I didn't know meaning. it was a cucumber till just now. <laughs> I didn't oh, either. Yeah, yeah. It, is, it is a cucumber. I, I like cucumber or stupid because yeah. we know what these, <laughs> these guys i well, thought really, the, i thought the definition was just stupid person yeah that's rule. basically what it was but the yeah. old italians like my grandfather my father and oh you have to also add this in with it Jadrul. how about another one was shemanud oh shemanud when you're a shemanud it's like what is it like you know you're walking around and, and uh you're gonna walk into traffic like in you're a car, yeah. what are you doing you know exactly you can't yeah. cross the street without getting hit by a car you're a shadrul i had had this morph into italian 101 <laughs> well you know what <laughs> no idea you know guys <laughs> you're italian tell you. from brooklyn what you exactly and we speak the brooklyn italian because if you go to italy and you say those words they look at you like you're a jadrul, you know? Yeah, right, because that's not the thing. This is Brooklynese Italian. But the best exactly. part is Billy loves it. He's always used – he calls you up. He goes, oh, it's still in jadrul. Yeah. <laughs> it's great when an Irish guy uses Italian words because it yeah, doesn't have yeah. the same seriousness of it, you know? I got a feeling you got a little Italian blood. In DNA I don't know. Yeah, we, that's right. You know, guys, we're at uh, an hour and 12 minutes, so I, usually around this time yes. I like to give less words. And Phil, I'm going to go to you first. You can give your last words. Last words. Um, Mike, first of all, thank you very much. We called you last minute. This all came together like last night. Uh, uh, Billy said, maybe we'll do a show on the Cuomo's. And uh, he actually told me to reach out to you last night. It got past me. And then I called you uh, earlier today. Thank you for coming on. We appreciate your expertise. Obviously, your your uh, resume speaks for itself as uh, a tremendous prosecutor for all those years in the Brooklyn DA's office and a uh, criminal defense attorney. So thank you for coming on. One last word about the two Cuomo brothers. When I was in Catholic school, fifth grade, Sister Thomas Bridget used to say, and it fit, Thomas Bridget. don't get too big for your britches. That's what these guys did. They got too big for their britches. They thought who the heck they were, and now look where they are. Sister Thomas Bridget, I hope you're still alive. Thank you very much for that quote. I always remember that. 
There we go. Mike, uh, last words. Also, Mike, if you got anything to plug, feel free to plug it right now. Well, I want to, first of all, thank you again uh, for having me back. And, uh, and and I love with you guys being on with you guys. It's just, it's always a kick. And uh, and Phil, it was not a problem that you you, you sent me that text that late. I, I was happy to do it. I was told you I was in the middle of, uh, of preparing some things for my new book, which is coming out in the spring called Homicide is My Business. And um, and that's the plug that I'm going to give. I'm not going to bore people with uh, with all of the, with my plugs. Go on Amazon. You can put my name in and you'll see the, my uh, my books and my short stories come up. But my the last word I have to say is that all of this we've been laughing and we've been talking about this. But I believe it's sad. The whole situation is sad that we have the the chief executive officer of this state had to step aside because he a because he killed old people. And B, because he couldn't keep his hands off women's behinds and their breasts. And um, and who ever thought if you ever talk to your parents about this back then when they were alive, they would say you're crazy. Nothing like that would happen because they grew up at a time when that stuff didn't happen. And uh, and I one last thing is I truly believe that if Mario was alive, that he would be more mortified than anyone at the at the the conduct of his two sons. And, um, and, it, and again, it's just sadness. Um, uh, but once again, thank you guys for having me and, um, I'm looking forward to the next time. Hopefully you'll call me again. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mike. I just wanted to sort of re- reiterate what Phil said. And, um, I was watching Michael Frances, who's a retired wise guy that you used to never be able to say that, but he's actually a very articulate and smart guy. And he he was uh, he did a show on the Cuomo brothers, and he said, in my whole life in the mafia, he goes, the only people that met a violent end were guys who were bullies. He's not the only people, but people that were bullies always met a violent end. And when they were when they did meet that end, and I'm not saying the Cuomo brothers are going to meet that. I don't wish that on anyone. But he was just reiterating about the life of being a bully that no one will ever come to your defense because once you lose your power, everyone's going to jump on the bandwagon of, yeah, yeah, he was always a piece of shit, you know? Yeah, he was referring to, like, the downfall, Billy. I watched it, too. You're right, 100%. It, it was like, now this is your downfall because, no, it, when things started to get bad, they had no friends. Nobody would help them because, exactly. you know, they, they were they were really bullies, exactly, arrogant bullies. Because people were just waiting for their opportunity to, to jump on that bandwagon and say, no, nah, they, they were always – well, like this, you know, and, and now they have no friends, you know, but uh, yep. well, this was the, the way this, of the world. This was the punch in the face that they should have gotten a long time ago. The proverbial punch in the face. When you when a bully does that to you, the first thing that that my dad told me was you can't stand there and just take it. You got to get it. And that's it. Punch him right in the nose. And, and that's and that's what this was. This was finally the punch in the face that they all, that they deserved a long and time. It was ago. a one, two punch. Both of them got it. Exactly. Exactly. Those two shadrules. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so folks, thank you so much for watching uh, police off the cuff, real crime stories. We really appreciate all our subscribers, all our fans. And we got some big things coming up. My God, 2021 is almost over. We got to think about 2022 and all the great things we're going to do in 2022. Anyway, folks have a great night. Guys, gentlemen, good night. Thank you for being on the show. Stay good night, safe, guys. everyone. Thanks for having me. You'll Great. be back, Mike. Thank you. One episode just ain't enough.